Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 10 of the Skilled Trades Playbook. I'm your host, Juan Caruso, author of the At Your Best Playbook series. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Dave Campbell. He's the superintendent of the Kalamazoo Regional Education Service Agency, or KRESA. This is a follow-on conversation to the one I had with Bobby Hopewell, the mayor of Kalamazoo, Michigan. So, Dave, tell us a little bit about yourself with regards to how you came about becoming the superintendent of KRESA. Give us a little bit about what KRESA is, and then, then we can move on from there. Happy to. Thank you for the opportunity. So I started out as a teacher, a social studies teacher, loved it, uh, quickly became a high school principal and uh, loved that job. And what I clearly saw is that kids need a path, kids need hope. I was dealing in a district with a lot of poverty, a lot of rural poverty, and I uh, had a lot of kids that lacked hope. Uh, they lacked parental expectations, parents, uh, families maybe that weren't really urging them to, to uh, maximize their potential. And what I saw is career and technical education uh, helping transform kids' lives when we could get them uh, into programs and keep, and keep them going and attending regularly, uh, giving them that, uh, that purpose that, that we all need. And I saw programs, you know, nursing programs to, to uh, manufacturing programs, auto shop type programs, just kids that being able to work with their hands was transformative. And so as a very young high school principal in my 20s, uh, we, I actively went into the cafeteria and tried to find out why are you, you know, I'd ask kids, why are you not at the career center? And, and, uh, and they, 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 you know, give these different excuses and, and we set out a path to eliminate those excuses. Uh, one of them was, well, uh, the, the career center bus doesn't get back till, uh, three 30 and football practice starts at three. Well, after hearing that enough, I went and talked to the football coach and, let them know what kids were saying. He said, well, I can move football practice back to 3.30, and, and then they can go learn to be a carpenter or whatever it is they want to be. I said, that's great. And that was 27 years ago. I saw the football coach at his retirement party, and they're still starting football practice three, at 3.30. So, so the, the kids that are interested in career tech can have that opportunity. So it just became very deeply embedded in me. The kids have got to see the opportunities before them and get into programs that will take them where they want to be. Uh, I became superintendent in that school district um, and continued to foster and feed that because kids are so different. Their skills are different. Their desires are different and jobs are different. And so it's a matter of trying to match kids uh, with the, with the jobs that are there and uh, to give them that hope. Uh, became an intermediate school district superintendent in Michigan. An intermediate school district uh, is a, it's going to be a regional body. Uh, the Kalamazoo Risa, we have nine local school districts in our region. And we are here to serve those school districts and to help them do things that are hard to do as an individual school district. It's very hard for an individual school district to have a robust array of career and technical education programming. Uh, it's expensive programming. You oftentimes need labs, and auto shops, and, and uh, robotics labs, and uh, you know, uh, uh, mock hospitals for health occupations fields, things like that. And not every high school can afford to, to have their own lab. They can't find their own teachers. There's a shortage of career tech teachers. And so you pool your resources together and you create uh, programming for, for kids so that there's a, a wide array of options uh, for, for students and for employers in terms of a, a talent pipeline. 
I love being an intermediate school district superintendent, and uh, we're working really hard in Kalamazoo to improve our system of career and technical education. And one of the, the key things that we've been working on to improve, and I think we're going to really take some huge steps forward in the next couple of years, is aiming younger. A lot of times career and technical education, even as I've alluded to it here this last couple of minutes, it's about programming for, for, for programming for sophomores, juniors, seniors, your older kids. Well, a lot of kids don't become juniors and seniors. A lot of kids don't. They, they don't earn enough credits. We've got, you know, 15, 20% of kids in the county that don't, that don't become a senior. And if, you know, because they don't earn enough credits and, and, and where are they going to be in the economy? Uh, what, what hope are they going to have? And so we're really going to be beefing up our career readiness, career navigation uh, programming, and really taking it to scale. We do some very good things in Kalamazoo County. A lot of the individual districts are doing some great things to help kids see what they can be. And that's what it boils down to. Kids have got to have hope, and you really can't have hope unless you can see uh, something. You can see yourself as an engineer. You can see yourself as a doctor. You can see yourself um, as, as an auto technician. And so it's, it's really incumbent upon us as educators to help kids see that. And one of the reasons it's incumbent upon us is because so not many kids are working anymore. It's the most interesting thing. I've presented about oh, probably 50 groups of, of people from Rotary Clubs to Chambers of Commerce to school boards. And I oftentimes ask the question, how many of you had a summer job when you were a teenager or you worked, you know, a part-time job? Typically, I'm talking to groups that are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and typically about 90% of the hands go up. And then I asked the next question was, okay, if you have a teenager or your grandchild's a teenager or your neighbor's kid's a teenager, how many of them have summer jobs or a part-time job? And it's usually about a third. And so I decided to, I've been doing this as a, like an informal focus group question for a couple of years now. And then we did the research and found out that 35% of the kids in the country that are teenagers uh, have jobs. It used to be about 90. Wait a second. So that, I'm sorry. 35% have jobs or 35% do not have jobs? Have jobs. You're kidding. Have. It's scary. It used to be upwards of 90. It might be working for a neighbor. I started out working for a guy named Mr. Hislop. He was a great guy, and he taught me to paint and rake and mow the lawn and just handy stuff around the house. Uh, that was my first job as a 13-year-old. Kids just aren't doing that much anymore. It's really interesting, uh, the, and it's a sociological change. It's a, it's a societal change. Uh, it's, a, it's emblematic of, of uh, the wealth, in a way, of our society. Uh, it's, it, I, I love to research that more, but many fewer kids, much lower percentage of kids are working now than they used to. So who is going to teach them how to work? Mr. Hislop taught me how to work and then getting a job at a golf course, working in the kitchen that taught me to work. My dad taught me to work, but if you don't have some of those influences, well, who is, well, the school needs to fill that role. And, and so we want to help younger kids. See what work looks like. Take them into workplaces. Bring workplaces to them. Bring, bring in uh, an HR people. Bring in an engineer to bring interesting tools and, and interesting machinery and, and, and little robots and help them see the kind of work that they're, 
that they do at, at whatever the, that employer uh, is or does. And it, because kids are not as connected to the workplace as, as they once were. And so we, we feel that does belong in the, in the school territory. And starting, I'm talking kindergarten, first, second, third grade, and designing it so that all 3,000 kids per grade in Kalamazoo County, we've got 3,000 kids per grade and nine local school districts spread among dozens of elementary schools, we've got to bring it to scale. So all kids, whether they're raised in, in deep urban poverty or in deep rural poverty or middle class or upper middle class, all kids need to see their options uh, and, 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 and uh, know the opportunities that are before them, the kinds of educational attainment levels they'll need to uh, accomplish to, ha- to have those opportunities. Um, and, and that we really feel it's, a, it's incumbent upon us to do that. We're doing our best. Uh, we can right now, but we're in the middle of a redesign uh, to substantially improve in this area. And I'm so, so proud of the, the nine local school districts, the superintendents, and principals who are really see that this is, a, this is crisis level, that so many kids are not seeing what they can be. And when we're committed to, uh, to increasing their, their knowledge, their skills, and their readiness for career technical educational programming, because the reality is so many jobs, uh, you really want that level of attainment, a post-secondary certificate, uh, an associate's degree, level of education, because the diploma is just not enough anymore. And of course, when you look at the college debt crisis that's happening in our country, we're now at $1.5 trillion in debt. Uh, and, and then another really interesting stat is about 20% of the students in the country, of the community college students, 20% of the community college students in the country already have a bachelor's degree. Well, what does that say? That's an interesting one. They're going back to community college to get an associate's degree or a skill certificate because the bachelor's degree that they got still may be, may be paying off didn't help them get the job that they need or that'll, that'll give them a sustaining wage. So there's some real systemic issues here, and we're, we are addressing them in partnership with uh, other institutions in the community uh, to, to provide just far better services, to help our local economy, to help our local employers, most importantly, to help our students and their families to, to excel and maximize their potential. So there's a lot to this. It's complicated. Uh, the economy is different than it used to be. The level of educational attainment is higher than it used to be. The level of skills that kids need is higher than it used to be. Um, and and that, that's hard to do. It's hard to take kids who've maybe been raised in environments where there was low sets of expectations for them um, in terms of attainment. And, and, and uh, we need all kids in the, in the economy. Michigan went through a 10-year recession. We call it the Great Recession. From 02 to 12, Michigan went through a 10-year recession. We lost about 700,000 people in our state, which is about 8% of the people. And, and they brought their kids with them. Of course they did. I, well, I hope they did. I mean, families should stay together, right? But they moved south where the economy was better. They moved west where the economy was better. And, and many did not come back. A lot of them that left were the skilled trades people. Blue collar. Factories were closing. Pay cuts were being implemented, bankruptcies at GM and Chrysler and, and on down the line, and people were leaving Michigan. There was hardly any construction going on. So the skilled tradespeople, the electricians, the welders, the plumbers, they leave. They didn't come back. Their kids may have, have become an electrician's kid, may have become an electrician. They moved to Florida, 
probably an electrician in Florida now. <laughs> and, and, and so we've got to take people who maybe weren't raised uh, with that healthy respect for the skilled trades. Um, maybe kids were again raised in poverty or maybe kids raised in families who said, you're going to college, you're getting a bachelor's degree and you're going to make something yourself. And then they get their bachelor's degree and they're seeing that that bachelor's degree isn't in helping them get the job that they want because they got the wrong bachelor's degree. It just doesn't match the, the needs of the employers. And so it, there's a lot of deep stuff to this. I like to look at it at the systemic level, but most importantly, at the individual child level. Uh, and to design uh, a system of, of staffing uh, and facilities and equipment to meet the needs of, of every child uh, in, the, in the Kalamazoo Research Service Area. There are 35,000 kids in nine school districts from uh, suburban to uh, rural to urban. And, uh, and we are highly interested in engaging with the kids, the families, uh, and designing programming uh, to meet their needs. And to, and to do that in conjunction with our employers who are going to uh, help those people uh, to, to sustain a lifestyle. And you can create that, that win-win synergy. Employers need the talent, our talent, our kids. They, they need the job. And, and by working together, uh, we're going to, we are going, uh, we're, we're starting, we're doing some good things, but we know we can go from good to great. And we are going to do just that. I had the pleasure of speaking with your mayor, uh, Bobby Hopewell, and he gave, he, he laid out some of these, this, the, the all hands on deck effort that, that all the, the community and the various organizations are bringing to bear. One thing that we didn't touch on, so I don't want to repeat something that we, we I'll cover in a different episode, but one thing that I really would like to hear you, uh, hear your point of view is you brought up the issue of the employers in the community. I, I, I would imagine that as you're developing these educational programs to, uh, to, to, uh, have kids go into the pathway that gets them into the skilled trades. You're partnering with the local employers to figure out what they need and how they they would like uh, the types of, of, of skill sets that they would like the students to come out with and that type of thing. Talk a little bit about how you partner with the community beyond just the, the governmental or non-governmental agencies. Absolutely. Happy to. Uh, as we've been looking at redesigning our system to get far more students into our career and technical education programming, because that's where the jobs are, um, we have had some wonderful support from major employers, from the local hospital, Brunson Hospital, Pfizer, Pharmaceutical Humphrey Products, and most amazingly, uh, Southwest Michigan First, our local economic developer, uh, sent us one of their top uh, people, Jill Bland, who was on every design team. We had three design teams going for for three months, meeting a couple of times a month to really ramp up and to look at, uh, into what we need to do to improve. Uh, and Jill served on all three of these design teams, just a, uh, simply a rock star for us to bring that business voice. She's got decades of experience working with employers. She understands their needs. Uh, and it was a, a constant uh, cheerleader for the employers and uh, in, in to, to, to keep us focused on, on what kids need in the work setting. Um, and so just re some really strong voices uh, so that we, we hit the mark. One of the, one of the voices that, that was so important is the voice of flexibility. This economy is changing so quickly. Um, schools, frankly, can't keep up. Individuals can't keep up 
with the, the skill sets. And so skills, I mean, schools, we need to keep focused on, on some basics, right? The, the, the basic reading, the basic writing, the, the mathematical, computational kinds of skills. Those are essential. They're never going to go away. We're always going to have to know how to write well and think. The, the, uh, we look carefully at the four C's, and I'm sure you are very familiar with the four C's of, of the importance of communication, collaboration, creativity, and critical thinking are, are emphasized by so many employers now as, as the kind of the new three R's. We used to talk about reading, writing, arithmetic. Those are still important, not discounting those at all. But adding those four C's of communication, collaboration, critical thinking, and, and creativity to it. So kids who need to, to, to be successful in this economy have a greater command of being able to apply their knowledge and not just be able to add and subtract, but applying their, their knowledge, thinking it through, solving problems, uh, 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 and, and uh, doing it in collaborative groups doing it uh, with others, communicating in different ways, verbally, in writing, virtually, uh, and it's kids being flexible in, in that approach. So there's, there's a lot to it. And then, of course, you've got those voices that are just right on when they say, well, there's a fifth C. Oh, yeah, what's that? Character. You bet character is important. That's where you're getting at, at dependability and in grit, I like that word. Grit is a is a is a really good one. Where you work through, you just tough it out, and you work through an issue or a problem rather than just giving up on it. And teaching resilience, teaching dependability and responsibility and honesty, compassion, working with others as well. And so this is this is a, a uh, these are not new conversations. We've been talking about character education and doing it for for centuries, uh, but. When you're talking scaling it, all kids, all kids, and keeping that mantra and, and, and not just some basic skills, but the social emotional kinds of skills, being able to connect with others, being able to empathize with others, being able to respect people that, that look and sound different than you do, working in diverse work environments with people that, that maybe you're not used to working with. With, with, uh, with people of different ethnicities. That is so critically important. These kids are walking into a global economy. It's not 1950s anymore. And, and so helping them to, to see and to appreciate uh, and work co constructively with uh, people um, who maybe were raised in poverty, maybe they're not. Well, understand them. Learn to understand where they're coming from. And, and, and the other way around, too, helping kids raised in poverty, understanding the middle class and, and, uh, and really seeing the commonality within, within humankind rather than always looking at the differences. So there's a lot to this, um, uh, and, and I'm so pleased that there's, there's uh, so many different organizations within the Kalamazoo area working towards uh, this, uh, this common goal. One thing that, um, I, that strikes me, Dave, that I really want to showcase, I would really love to hear your thoughts on the point that in talking with Bobby and in what I've heard about Kalamazoo from the perspective of the, the activities that the organizations are focused on, it's somebody listening to these, pod, uh, the, these episodes could easily say, oh, this, here's another uh, quasi-governmental agency uh, administrator talking platitudes and, and or 
a mayor talking about wishful thinking about what he wants and what he wishes for the organization. That is exactly what this isn't. I, I hear it from the perspective of execution at the individual level, at the individual student level in your case, what you guys are bringing to bear from the perspective of helping that individual and, and showing at an execution level as opposed to at a committee do, talking points level, you uh, programs that actually are showing results and, and a, an emphasis on delivery of results as opposed to uh, noise and feeling good about each other, slapping each other's back. We had a great meeting and away we go. It's, it, it very much feels like a very different animal in this case. It, it is a different animal. What we're looking at creating, and, and, we, and we work together with the business community uh, in, in various committees on, on what, what are some metrics that are important uh, as we revamp uh, our system of career and technical education. Notice I said that word system, not just high school classes, beginning in elementary, going into middle school, and culminating with hopefully a lot of kids, and I'm talking thousands, involved in work-based learning, co-op opportunities, internships, apprenticeships, those kinds of things. Uh, and and all, a lot of this is measurable. And so you can, you can collect some really good metrics. Uh, and ahead of time, we've, we've thought of, of some really good ones about you know, what percentage of kids earned an industry a certified credential. Well, that's a tangible number. And then, you know, once you have a, a good metric to work from, that's an important goal that's lined up with the needs of the kids and of the employers, then you, then you pursue that goal. And that's a good one there. I just, the, the, the example I gave of, of an industry certified credential, Okay. So now you establish that as your goal, and you identify your strategies, and you're putting it through cycles of continuous improvement. And you're in every, you know, whether every period, whether it's quarter, semester, uh, you're you're ratcheting that up. And then you say, okay, what do we need to do to improve? How can we get better here? Um, it's it's really about um, developing a system that people want to be a part of, uh, a a welcoming culture. A lot of times, career and technical education is, is uh, in our country has faced a stigma that it's kind of second class, and it's not. Uh, a lot of the uh, European countries, uh, just, they just, they're not dealing with that type of stigma. Asian countries as well. Uh, the, the career tech programs are highly valued. Uh, the employers value it. They, they pay. The, the pay is good uh, to demonstrate that value. And, um, and I, I just appreciate that uh, we are, uh, not, it's not just Kalamazoo Reset, the local districts, uh, are, are committed to substantial improvements in these areas. And, and we, we expect and will hold ourselves accountable and expect others to as well. Uh, and, and this is an area of education that's a, it's a little more black and white. Some areas of education, it's harder to measure progress. Uh, we serve many students with very severe uh, physical cognitive disabilities. Some students are harder to measure. It's, hard, it's harder to measure growth with. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's harder. The student can't talk. Or right, uh, and, and it is substantially disabled. It it can be very difficult, but it can be done. This is an area that's that's a little more black and white, and you can measure and track progress. There's uh, industry-based uh, credentials and standards that we can follow. Uh, we're interested in developing a system that'll be a magnet for the best career and technical education teachers. Uh, there's a huge shortage of career tech teachers because, you know, if you've got the skills to be a robotics teacher you also have the skills to be a robotics engineer and they're making good money and they should, 
because that's a, that's a really difficult skill set. And so we've got to figure out a way. So you've got to find that person with the technical skills who also has the relational human skills to connect with students. And, you know, not every student's that, that, that easy to get along with. And you've got to find a way to, to connect with them and, and to motivate them. And it's, it's tough. And a lot of teachers, uh, a lot, there's a lot of people in industry who used to teach. And I always say, well, that's the toughest job I ever had. You know, it's, it, it, and it, it is. It's a really hard job. And, uh, and there's a shortage of them. So we are, we're going to create an environment uh, that, that will be uh, very attractive to career tech uh, teachers. And because uh, that's, it's the most important element in a classroom is the, the quality of the, of the teacher. There's one more stakeholder in this whole, um, this whole equation that we haven't talked about. We've talked about the kids. We've talked about the other organizations that are doing their part in the community. Um, but then you have the parents. And you raise the issue of the stigma, but the parents have a great deal of say. It's certainly at these early stages in the development of their children's uh, education and futures. Um, how are you getting to them? How, how do you partner with them to uh, br either bring them along or have them lead you to where you guys need to go? Not well enough, uh, but it's a hugely important issue. I'm really glad you raised, you raised the question. One of our design principles that as we've been working with the business community this last several months is, is, is a, a very important redesign principle. We're, we're calling it enroll the family. Enroll the family. It's, and it's actually a, a, a design principle that we use with our Head Start program. Kalamazoo Reese also uh, leads the federal Head Start program in the Kalamazoo area. And we use that, that phrase, enroll the family in Head Start, uh, because you, you, you've got to bring uh, a family along. Uh, if you want to teach a child to read, they need to be read too when they're babies and one, two, three, four, five on up the line. And uh, you know, we're working head starts for three and four year olds. So we have, we have 12 uh, home visitors. Their full-time job is to, is to visit our students uh, in their homes. It's obviously all voluntary and parents don't want it. But, you know, that we, we obviously work around that. We're not, you know, being uh, the government trying to control people, but the parents want that kind of support. We're bringing books in. We're showing them that this, this is what reading your kids look like. These are the kinds of things you can do when you go shopping. You can educate a child in a grocery store. You can point out little things and just talking with your kids, engaging with them. And so we're modeling that because that's the most powerful teacher. And a lot of times people that are raised in poverty, they haven't had the best modeling. They haven't had the best examples. And so we, we have a, you know, a small staff. Of, of home visits. That's their full-time job. I'm not saying we're going to have a staff of 12 people in a career tech center, but we are sure going to have some people that are devoted to helping uh, families see the, 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 the goodness in career tech of education, help them see that the stigma, I mean, sometimes parents think that, that, uh, oh, it's just an old sweatshop. You know, you just want my kid to work in a factory for minimum wage and it's going to be a sweatshop. You know, modern factories just aren't that way now. It's just not what it is. Uh, and, and if we if we set up some tours, and that obviously for kids, we call them talent tours, get kids out into the workplaces so they can see it. We'll do it for the families too, and and, and work with community agencies to 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 help get that word out that uh, that, that not all workplaces are are dirty and negative. And uh, I really appreciate the work of, of Michigan Works. I know you've got uh, you know you're talking to Ben Damerel. 
they're doing a lot of great work with employers to help them create cultures that people want to be a part of. Uh, you know, this millennial generation, they don't want to be treated, uh, you know, they're, they're not just going to obey orders. Uh, they've been raised in a different environment. And, uh, and, and, and the, the demographic shifts we've got going on in Michigan in particular, but across our country, with the boomers aging and retiring by, in droves, there's nowhere near enough people uh, to fill these jobs. Uh, we, we're, you know, employers have to shift some of our mindsets too. maybe be a little bit more flexible with people. Uh, and, and, and hear them and treat them more, more as individuals to the extent possible. There's always, you know, I, I under, I'm an employer. I do have expect, expectations for my people. But there are times when we don't have to be as rigidly uh, uh, inflexible with people and, and to treat them more as individuals. The millennials expect it. Frankly, they're seeking it, and they'll leave employers that won't do it. Um, and, and so that's a piece, and I really respect uh, Southwest Michigan first, uh, has been has been beating that drum too, uh, along with Michigan Works and many other agencies. That employers, we got to look at ourselves too, uh, and and look at the cultures that we're creating. Look at our compensation systems, and 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 make our work environments the more inviting, because uh, there's just not there's not enough people uh, going into work. So we're looking at increasing that supply from the talent end, from the education end, and uh, and employers are, are are doing their work on well, what can we do to be to be more attractive. So enrolling the family uh, is, is very important. It's going it's to take a, you know, some staff members whose job it is, is to work with families uh, to help them see. And it may be uh, taking them to Bronson Hospital and walking the halls with them and showing them all these different type jobs that Bronson Hospital has. They've got a couple of hundred openings right now uh, for medical assistance and things. So, so let's, let's help the families see and, you know, maybe you start as a medical assistant and you work your way up to an x-ray technician and then you work your way up. And that's that's how workplaces are now. Um, you don't you don't just get your education and then get your job and then stop learning and do the same thing for 30 years. That economic model is long gone. It's about learning and growing. And many employers will even help pay for the, the continued educational uh, programming that you're going to need for those uh, for the promotions and for uh, increased opportunities. So it's hugely important to, to work with the family and, and ultimately with a mindset of not just enrolling a kid in this program or enrolling their family and in, in intentional outreach uh, to the families so that they're part of the process and it's not just something that their kid does and then they, and they, it's just this isolated silo. Okay, the, the last question. Um, what I've, I've been asking everyone, and I've gotten some really interesting uh, answers, so this will be my closing question with you and everyone else that comes after. Um, so what would you tell your younger self to either learn or avoid altogether? Uh, it can be about um, your, your professional life or your, your life in general in terms of what you would tell your younger self. What I would tell my younger self, wow, I love it, um, is to engage, to engage uh, people that are trying to help you. Um, I didn't maximize my high school experience. Honestly, I was about age 20 when I decided to really engage and learn from my professors. Um, and uh, that, I think that would be my message is, you know, there's a lot of people around you that are trying to help you, but they can, they can't, you know, you can't, uh, make, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And I, for a, too many of my years, I wasn't drinking. 
and uh, and I really I regret that. Um, and I'm glad that I did turn it on at age 20 and uh, decided to to try and apply myself and try to make something of myself. Um, and uh, so that would that would be my advice: engage, work. Nobody's going to do it for you. Um, and it's amazing how doors and opportunities open uh, when you when you take that. Uh, that individual initiative and it's hard to do. And some kids face some really substantial barriers and we've got to help, you know, that's part of our job is, as uh, leaders to eliminate those barriers, whether they're transportation or, or whatever, poverty, whatever those barriers are, we've got to eliminate those, but it's also up to the individual to, to apply themselves and to engage. Dave, that was fantastic. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it because you were you answered every possible question I could have come up with, but you did it in such a cogent manner that I, I doubt very much I have much to edit. But I know you have another call, so I'll leave you. But uh, again, thank you so very much. Well, hopefully you found this episode of this Skilled Trades Playbook uh, interesting and enjoyable. I'm looking forward to reading the comments because I'm sure you'll agree with me that Kalamazoo is doing some really interesting things that hopefully should be replicated across the country in short order. Please hit that subscribe button so that I can continue sending you these episodes of great people offering their opinions and advice and insights on the skilled trades and how to close the skills gap. Thank you. Have a good one. Mm -hmm.